A wheeled conveyance trundling along one of the turnpike roads, safe enough for a woman to take on her own, she will be able to do nothing. Perhaps more important than any of these things, Jane will need society to agree that she is sovereign over her own destiny. An unmarried woman free to climb aboard a post-chaise and go wherever she pleases at no risk to her reputation. Now, I want to take up this picture of George in England and put it into a quite different setting. Imagine that the Jane Eyre of Charlotte Bronte's novel has been transposed to a non-European situation. By the standards of 19th century globalisation, this new environment is not very distant. To get there merely involves crossing the Mediterranean. There one meets the close sibling of the Judeo-Christian world inhabited by Jane, a civilization built on the third and most recent of the Hebraic monotheisms and influenced by Greek patterns of thought. This is the civilization of Islam. How would this civilization have dealt with Jane Eyre and the vistas of personal fulfillment preventing her from closing her eyes at night? Would it approve or wrinkle its nose? Would Islam get Jane Eyre? Were I able to answer this question in the affirmative, it is likely that you would not be holding this book, or you would be holding a very different book. Islamic civilization in the first decades of the 19th century would neither have appreciated nor understood Jane Eyre, because it hadn't the wherewithal to do so. First consider the vehicle by which Muslim audiences would have met her, the printed book. This would have been a non-starter at the time in which Jane Eyre is set, because almost four centuries after Gutenberg revolutionized intellectual and religious life in Europe with the invention of movable type, the printing press continued to be regarded by Islam as an unwelcome and alien innovation, and had not been admitted to general use. Then there was the matter of translating Bronte's prose into the local languages. The number of Turkish, Arabic and Persian speakers who knew good English was minuscule, and there was no market in the Middle East for translated works from abroad. Even if these constraints had been somehow overcome, and the trustee copyists were induced to inscribe large quantities of a translated Jane Eyre, audiences would have remained tiny for another reason. The latest scholarship puts the literacy rate in Turkey, Egypt and Iran, the three most important intellectual and political points in the region, at roughly 3% at the turn of the 19th century, compared to more than 68% for men and 43% for women in England. In Amsterdam, the world's capital of literacy at the time, the figures were 85% and 64% respectively. There can be no reading public when no one can read. Still, ploughing doggedly on, supposing we could wave aside these considerations and imagine that through public storytellers large numbers of Muslims were exposed to the life and times of Jane Eyre, what would their reaction have been? The notion of newspapers and a postal service would have caused bemusement in lands where neither existed, no less than the fantasy of wheeled traffic between towns. Then there was the moral Pandora's box opened by Jane's behaviour. It was scandalous that a heroine should gad about the country without a chaperone, fall in love with one man, attract the attentions of another, and after this wanton display be presented by the author as a model of virtue. The very systems of society were completely different in Jane's England. Where was the harem, the protected female-only sanctum within the family? And why did Mr. Rochester not have slaves? And don't even mention Mr. Rochester's 
dissipated female guests at Thornfield Hall, playing airs on the forte piano and riding horses and showing off their bosom and long flowing hair. Perhaps the kindest thing that could have been said about the plot of Jane Eyre is that it illustrated the superiority of Muslim doctrine. Under Muslim law, Mr. Rochester would have been able to take Jane as his second wife, being permitted a maximum of four, and he would have been able to save what remained of her virtue without all that nonsense about the mad woman in the attic. In short, from the perspective of a Muslim at the beginning of the 19th century, the character of Jane Eyre was a rank impossibility accessible to almost no one, and the story of her life so preposterous as to approach derangement. With the invention of the steamship, possible destinations multiplied in number. Getting around became easier. Following that, with railways, travel became easier still. In the same way that travel was accelerated through this means, so was communication by means of the telegraph. News that would have taken a